When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige podcast. Today, we're talking about Gladiator, the 2000 Ridley Scott movie uh, starring Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix, among others. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. Uh, yeah, it's directed by Ridley Scott. If you don't recognize his name, he, you'll recognize some of his movies. Alien, Blade Runner, The Martian. We just saw him last year in a first-run bald movie, The Last Duel, to, based on a screenplay by David Frazzoni. Uh, who's known for writing Amistad and King Arthur, John Logan, who wrote The Aviator and Skyfall, and William Nicholson, who penned Les Mis, the, the screenplay for Les Mis and First Night. I've liked all of those movies. And I hear that it was a real, real barn-burning fiasco trying to write the script for this movie. Hmm. Uh, score by Hans Zimmer, which I'll talk about here in a bit. Uh, we mentioned it stars Russell Crowe, who you'll know from A Beautiful Mind, L.A. Confidential. My favorite movie, maybe. Top five, certainly. Master and Commander. Joaquin Phoenix, we've seen him in Signs, The Village. He was Johnny Cash in Walk the Line. Connie Nelson, who was in The Devil's Advocate, Mission to Mars, One Hour Photo, and recently has been seen playing Queen Hippolyta in Wonder Woman, the Queen of Themyscira. Oliver Lee, the legendary British actor who, unfortunately, I've only seen him in this and The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, where he was mm. the god of war. Uh, also stars uh, Jaman Hansu, who, uh, speaking of Ar- uh, Amistad, got a start in that film. He's also been the villain in Fast and Furious 7, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, and Constantine. Also, Richard Harris. Again, super venerable famous British actor who I've seen in this and Dumbledore and the first two Harry Potters. Shameful. Shameful, my lack of uh, English film knowledge. Jim, what did you think of this film? Have you seen it? What do you think of it now? Uh, I have seen it, yeah. But probably not as many times as most people who've seen this movie. I feel like this is one of those movies like... And maybe I only think this because Jay-Z sampled it in one of his songs and I can't here, are you not entertained? And then Spaniard, Spaniard, without thinking uh-huh. about Jay Z. Uh, but this is one of those movies like Scarface, I feel, where people who love it really fucking love it and get yeah. very hype about it. Um, I'm not one of those people, but I do like it. I think as a revenge tale, it pretty much holds up. Uh, I definitely want to see Maximus kill Commodus by the end of this movie. And I think he deserves it. And I think uh, th- they both deserve it. <laughs> Russell Crowe deserves to kill him, and he deserves to get killed. Uh, it, I think it's not an amazing movie. I'm not, I'm not, like, blown away. This is not my favorite Ridley Scott movie or anything. Not even close. Uh, but it's serviceable. How about you? Yeah. I, I, I really liked it when it came out. Um, it was one of those kind of in that you know, baby's first prestige movie where, you know, I started watching stuff that was winning Oscars and like, God damn, what are the battle sequences? And Russell Crowe is so cool. And, uh, 
Uh, he's it's such a such a great role that's very minimalist. Um, and Joaquin Phoenix, I think this is the first thing I'd ever seen him in. And I decided, man, what a fucking asshole. Like, I really like it's it's a masterclass in creating a villain that you just want to hate. And he's constructed so that you don't feel bad for him. I, I guess that the, the movie does a little bit of pathos with him where you start to feel bad. But by the end of the movie, he's such a monster. That it's like, nah, fuck this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, But I do think that, like, maybe it's a little overrated just because for some for some reason, like I I don't know if this is like the bro movie that won the Oscars or what, but right. like, yeah, man, people like will unironically say this is the greatest movie that's ever been made. Oh come on! <laughs> and it's like I said, it's like man, it's not even Ridley Scott's best movie, right? But it is a really good movie and it's very entertaining. I will say now because I've seen this, Jesus Christ, I had this movie on DVD, mm-hmm. and again, it's like I was definitely spinning it a lot back back when I was um, really first getting into film. Uh, listen to all the commentaries and all the behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff. Um, a couple things surprised me is how kind of I found dull and plotting some of the comedy scenes were. Like, you know, yeah. once he took over the stuff back and forth with his, with his sister and the, the senators and all that kind of stuff, I, I found a little little dull. Like everything that wasn't like Maximus. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, like, I guess I never looked into this because why would I back in the day? But I kind of got the impression that this movie was not historically accurate in terms of the events and the characters they portray. Um, but at least, like, you know, like, this is actually what Roman armor and combat looked like. And this would be representative of Germanic peoples at the time and the mm-hmm. tactics and, and Rome when they show these beautiful CGI. Like, this is what Rome would have looked like in the second century. Fuck no. Apparently, this is, like, legendary for just going through the catalog of like what Roman armor looked cool. Let's take some from the second century BCE and then let's mix it. It'd be like, you know, having a guy in a civil war general's uniform standing side by side with some dude in a modern BDU, like literally that kind of bad. And like the Germanic peoples were like dressed like in stone age shit. Like the fact, you know, and I'm like, huh? And uh, they didn't even get the Roman skyline right. Like a couple of the big, big buildings are prominent in the CGI Rome were not built into the 13th century. Like, not even like, well, okay, it's still toga time. No, like, so like, it kind of, and, and like, this is the time, this is the, this is the part where people were starting to hire, um, that's, you the, know, uh, uh, what do they call those? The, the researchers, the, the advisors, uh, the, yeah, sure, consultants. historical advisors, consultants. And I guess like three of them walked off the set because they're so frustrated, it, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's not just like, you know, the, the liberties they took with the main plot but just damn it kind of gives you a false impression of and that's that's too bad because i used to think like oh man this is probably like really like what it was and kind of a bummer to find out that they probably could have but they maybe followed the rule of cool too too far for a historical drama seems like it yeah um and i definitely had the same impression when i watched it way back in the day but yeah now when i look at this movie i'm thinking there's no way I, I didn't I didn't look up oh, is how historically accurate is this movie, but I could tell just looking at it. There's no way this uh-huh. is even close to historically accurate. And there's some things that like it, they, they cut back on because they thought audiences wouldn't buy it. The th- thing I found most interesting is I guess product placement was a thing in the especially the larger places like the Coliseum. And it wouldn't be uncommon for a gladiator to get up and be like. I like this bread from blah, 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 because it makes me strong. Or like, you should see Smith, you know, uh, Leonidas, a steel shop over on Greek street because they got the best 
And they had that in the first script, like a scene of like going through the gladiators and seeing, and, and they're like, people will think this is like a Mel Brooks thing. We can't have this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree with that. I, yeah. But I don't know, because like, I think that's what's the really interesting things about when you're looking at Rome is how um, modern it is yeah. in, 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 in sense of like the way it was organized civically, the, the way its politics ran, the way the press talked about the politics. How gossipy and kind of like bullshit, like, you know, it's like there's kind of nothing new under the sun, but it's really striking to see that um, in, in a, a civilization is like, you know, 2000 years old. And I think I don't know, I, I think it wouldn't have played, but I wish there was a way to get a little bit more historicity in, into the film. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's just purely for an adventure and like a, a black hearted tale of revenge. It's pretty damn good. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I've seen better in that regard too. Uh, I I like movies like Old Boy and stuff like that. That is well, yeah, you know, maybe the darkest of hearts of revenge right. tales. But that's an eighty percent cacao type dark. Oh, like that's, yeah. that's a very that's, that's, that's a two hundred IBU, you mm-hmm. know, uh, pale ale. That that's 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 yeah. That you, you that that's sure. a very very specific taste of of revenge. Where this yeah. is a lot more mainstream. It it is it is, and I think that's you know why I kind of give it a pass in some ways about its historicity mm-hmm. and and stuff like that because it's from an era when you know that stuff wasn't taken as seriously. Nowadays, you can't make a television show without having a bunch of consultants on set saying, "No, this is not right. That's not right. We need to fix this." Right. About all all the historical stuff in there. So like, I mean, you can go to HBO's Rome uh, show and probably come out with a a ton better uh historicity. So yeah. I, I don't know. I've never it, seen that one either. I haven't either. Um, but I imagine like they probably sweated those details, you know, fifteen years later or whatever it was. Um right. because, you know, it just wasn't done that much back then in mainstream movies, right? You said it was just kind of I, I think when they started doing that stuff. Um so I, I don't know, I give it a pass for the era it was made in. Yeah. And it does it does look cool. Like it looks cool in um like a, a Game of Thrones, a Lord of the Rings kind of way, like this armor. And I, I guess that's one of the reasons I liked it, because it did seem like very solid and historic. I grew up right. watching like Ben Hur, where guys are wearing shiny stamp steel Roman army and everything is gleaming and you, you know, everything's ceremonial or I grew up reading Bible story books where like all the Romans were you know, illustrated as these gleaming things and seeing them kind of like, oh, well, this is what a Roman legion would look like after marching for two years and conquering and their shit's like ragtag and, you know, patched together. It looks like guys late into the, like, the Pacific Theater on HBO's Pacific or <laughs> on Band of <laughs> Brothers. Like, you know, it's like it's like how they deploy versus how they are two years into the conflict. And I think that kind of lived-in look um, did age well. It's just, man, it's just too bad they couldn't go a little bit further and use action. Because I guess, like, even the things I thought were cool, like the trebuchets and the the uh, the scorpions and stuff like that, um, I don't know. They 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 just weren't the kind of equipment that they would actually be using in that period. And I think it'd be cool if they had. Um, don't want to beat that dead horse too much, though. Yeah. Uh, the what? So the only thing did do? Do we already talk about the special effects? Or is is that something a we were talking bit. about in pre pre podcast? Um, we we mentioned this in the pre podcast. Roger Ebert, Roger Ebert, Roger Ebert savaged this one. Yeah, two stars out of four. Having a and bad day when he reviewed it, I think. 
and, and I know so it seems like a lot of people that 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 have that opinion of Gladiator um really hold Stanley Kubrick's Spartacus in highest. Um and when I had first seen this movie, I'd not seen Spartacus. And then about a year after I'd seen this movie, I saw Spartacus. I don't think it made it, me change my opinion, but I just wonder if you've seen, like, you know, like the great Stanley Kubrick have a take on this. It'd be like watching 2001 A Space Odyssey and then rolling into Star Wars and being like, this ain't it, this ain't, this ain't it Chief. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen uh, Spartacus, so I can't really say. One of the few but, Kubrick films I haven't seen. The one thing I guess I saw a little bit of is I thought a lot of the action scenes um, were just were, were just a little too muddy and a little too jittery. And you mentioned the special effects not being kind of up to snuff. Like, I wonder if uh, the especially kind of jittery, shaky cam style here on display was partially to like, well, let's do that to hide the special effects because it, I think that's a damn shame. Because twenty two years on, the special effects don't hold up, especially in something like. I think the the city shots look good, but all the stuff they do in combat with like the animals and 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 whatnot are, is not great. Hmm. Yeah, I wasn't even particularly impressed by the city shots. I thought it, they've done the bare minimum there of making me believe that there's a building there, but it's something something where I can see the theme, the seams um, between hmm. the the real and the fake uh, a little too much. Yeah, something that I I feel like. Star Wars got right. The Matrix got right, mostly for both of those. Did you think that, like, so the are you talking about, like, the overall City of Rome shots, or uh-huh. are you talking about, like, the close-ups of the Colosseum? No, the, the close-ups were better. I felt like when they were shooting stuff, like, from ground level, it was better, uh-huh. but when you got okay. really high up there, it felt like a CG shot. I think you might, I think you might be right on, because what I read is they read, they built a full-scale... Coliseum model, but it was only one quarter of it, like a corner, sure. and it was only about fifty-eight feet high, and so that's like is as utterly real. They 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 built it. It's a it's a it's a obviously a mock-up of it. Yeah. Uh, but then everything else was fit was was pieced in digital. Okay. Yeah, that must um, be because I I thought the like I I thought it all looked pretty good of the era because again, too long time ago. Sure. Um, but I thought the the, the street level Rome stuff was especially nice. Uh huh. Well, what do we want to talk about? We should. Uh, we haven't really spoiled anything. Should we talk about the premise of the movie for people that haven't seen this ancient piece? Totally. All right. Uh, Gladiator is about a Roman general, played by Russell Crowe, who on his deathbed is entrusted by the Emperor of Rome to return empire to, or the Roman Empire to its previous glory as a republic. He wants to essentially take a, like, like, uh, do a military takeover of Rome uh, put the good people in charge, and then you know, uh, restore yeah democracy to to Rome. Uh, he is thwarted by the emperor's evil son Commodus, who gets wind of it, murders his father before he can die of old age, and uh, then ki- tries to kill uh, Russell Crowe and his family, and it succeeds in taking everything from this man except for his life. That's all he's got left: no family, no property, no status. He's sold into slavery, becomes a gladiator, and starts to get the idea that if he can just fight and kill well enough, he can rise in the ranks and get a one-on-one audience with his hated enemy, Commodus. And that's the movie. Uh, Can he rise to the ranks? Can he avoid the political pitfalls? 
and the machinations against him, and can he slip some steel in Commodus's rib cage uh, to return Rome to its glory? Mm-hmm. All right, that's it. We're gonna we're gonna get in depth uh, spoilers here. Um, I, I I really like this movie. Um, it's core of it. Like I I like the fact that this is a Roman general kind of uh, molded after the namesake of our fair city, Cincinnati. This guy who is you know uh, a farmer at heart, and he loves Rome and he wants to do right by it, and then he wants to just give up all that supreme executive power uh mm-hmm. when when the danger is over i think that's something cool and something noble yeah um there's a line and in this the is... movie where, where they say essentially that right like um because you're like that that's why you need to be a leader yeah yeah he's like i need you to be the the the, the supreme dictator of rome is like oh god anybody but me that's why it has to be you right um and this is just like and I think it's it speaks. And this is why I think it's ranked highly amongst the bros. Is it like it's almost designed in its DNA to be like appeal to like the stereotypically masculine soul, you know, totally. of a of a person who has like everything taken for him, from him except for his life and his pride, and mm-hmm. with with just the abilities uh, in 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 their bronze, their bare hands, they're going to set a great injustice right. They're going to avenge their family. I think Russell Crowe makes a pretty compelling avatar. Like he plays that gruff leader that you can believe can command thousands of men's respect. But he also, like, I was find myself surprised at how um, good some of the more tender nuance work is. Like when he finds his family slain and just kind of loses his shit and bubble snot and whatnot. I thought that was he's <laughs> yeah, he's a, a great lot. Maximus, is what I'm saying. A lot of drooling, a lot of snotting in this movie, more than I think necessary, but. Um... Yeah, like Russell Crowe has those two gears, right? I I think of movies like A Beautiful Mind too, which is like the exact opposite of this movie as far as uh what Russell Crowe needs to be. He needs to be vulnerable, he needs to be uh sympathetic for the audience. Um he he's able to yeah, embody like like actually embody with with his physical form the bro mm-hmm. mentality that you're talking about. And also with his heart and his eyes, be able to embody somebody far more tender and far more, uh, far less frightening. Uh, I, I don't know how he do he does it, but he's great at that. If you need both of those things, go hire Russell Crowe. And the intelligence—that's the other thing that sells totally. it. Like the fact that he can, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that he's in a pretty brutish form. Uh, especially in, in, in this movie, but you can also buy him as a mathematics genius. You can buy him uh, as a supreme military commander that's master of tactics, both small and combined. And, and and I don't know. It's there just not. I don't think there's a lot of people that can do kind of both of those things that has that physical. It's one of the reasons he ranks. I'm pretty sure he ranks pretty high on our badass list, despite not having a ton of great roles. Yeah. Um, he is like physically imposing and also has got that that kind of aura to him and it's more about the aura with him because he doesn't speak a lot in this movie you know he's not out there uh telling you that he's honorable and telling you that he's a badass and and how he feels he more just he's got that quiet um intimidation and i and and not just intimidation, right? The the quietness informs like 
what you think of his intelligence, what you think of his resolve, uh, all of those things. And, and he says so little, and it's impressive. He's also just really good at being like confident and assured uh, without mm -hmm. being cocky. Uh, like yeah. uh, when he's at the slave market, they're trying to size him up for whether he's a yellow or a red. Uh, when he's, you know, that's uh, in the cage waiting for death to come for him. Like he's just, when, when he's facing off against the uh, Praetorians in the beginning of the film, it's like everything is kind of like devoid of ego. And mm -hmm. he doesn't like, I don't know, it's, 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 it's not that he thinks he can win. It's just that he like knows he can. Uh or, or, I think or he knows that he's good enough to. He's not sure he will win against this opponent, right? But he knows that he's practiced. He knows that he's got experience. Um, yeah, he's just confident in his abilities and, and not necessarily like overconfident. Because it also comes from a man who probably didn't seek this out. He probably, uh, yeah. I don't know, he had to be born into a pretty great wealthy house to be a general and to own the land that he did, right? But it doesn't seem like what he set out to be is a supreme commander of the Roman army at the height of their military glory, right? Mm -hmm. It's probably the guy who's like, well, I guess I have to be legionary. That's that's my civic duty. Oh, shit, I guess I'm good at it. I guess I'll be centurion. Like, just a guy who keeps getting promoted and promoted and promoted. Um, and they do such a great job of sh contrasting that with Commodus, which is essentially, you know, like like he's the, he's the Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie... Uh, twins and Commodus is the Danny DeVito. Like <laughs> he, he is the Roman citizen who's been stripped of every virtue, uh, and and yeah. given every vice. And they do such a great job from the beginning of the movie showing this. You know, like Maximus is the one doing the dirty work. Commodus is the one heading up at the last day of the last battle to be like, oh, is the fighting over? Damn, I missed it. Yeah. But also he's got the Praetorian guard with the shirt stripped off doing some show fighting in the, the forest and he's big, you know, he really follows the gladiatoria games. And I, I think they did such a great job of making Maxim like, you know, Maximus is just like the ultimate in virtue. There's almost nothing you can say that he's done wrong or bad in the whole fucking movie. And Commodus is the, the opposite. And it works because boy, you just hate Commodus. Yeah. Uh, That's another thing I took uh, umbrage with Ebert's review over. He does not particularly care for Joaquin Phoenix in this role. He thinks he's serviceable, but he says that a quirkier actor might have made this role bet shine a little bit more, and I think Joaquin Which Phoenix is does a great in job. hindsight. That, I mean, like, I think... I mean, yeah, I, I just wonder... He's fantastic in, in the future, certainly, but I think he's great in this, and I think... But, but quirky. What do you want? Steve Buscemi? Like, I don't... I don't really need a quirkier performance here. I want somebody who I'm intimidated by and scared of. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure what he had because, like, and that's what what I'm in is like that. Joaquin Phoenix, I think, is one of the more legendary quirky actors at this point. You know, he did sure, a sure. a whole year of movie and interviews as a bit yeah. or a public emotional breakdown. I'm actually not sure which, and I I actually right. wonder if you can chart like some of his weirder excesses to this review where he's like just reading Roger Ebert's like a oh, fucking quirkier <laughs> actor. I'm gonna show you. Wait until you see my coke, you know, like my my Benzo Conan O'Brien interview. Um, but yeah, I I thought he did. I thought he did a great job too. Like he yeah. he's there to make you hate him. He's there to be a complete scum scumbag. You can this guy is 
like a combination Joffrey Lannister and Jamie Lannister all rolled in one. Right. You know? and, and there are this times is... even in this movie where he almost makes me feel bad for him. That first scene before he kills his father, that, that scene where he yes. does kill his father. I'm like, okay, I, I, I don't know the full story here, but I can sympathize with someone who's gone their whole life trying to make good by their, their parents and then they've been what they view as betrayed in the very last moment, you know? Um, right. It, I, I totally felt for him in that scene until, you know, he kills his father and becomes a, tries to become a dictator asshole. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting because like I, he does have so much early pathos and there is this thing mm-hmm. of like um, this boy who suspected he was a monster his whole life and tried to make his parents happy and was unable to do that. And, you can also see where Marcus probably uh, was absent. You know, he's been out on battles, and he's been, you know, there's only been four years of peace his realm is known since the beginning of his reign. Um, and I felt like maybe they could have done a little bit more by having, I don't know, but the, 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 the timeline of this is so fucking compressed because of the plot. Mm-hmm. I think it would work better if we could have seen, you know, that, like, uh, him killing his father was, like, the 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 that that swept away the last bit of vestige of control he had and he just went all in on you know murder sex money mayhem um and i right. i think they did tell that story and it, and it still felt like it was a little rough um it has like there i i think like this movie maybe needs another 10 minutes but also i i can't think of anything that you would cut out to keep it at like two and a half hours which is kind of pushing it in 2000 it's getting right? long yeah well even now it's like even that's now, what i'm saying like but... i thought some of the the scenes were a little and, and that's i guess there's scenes that i would want to see um him wounded by his sister's betrayal you mm-hmm. know the fact that he thinks that's maybe of his last virtue is yeah i'm a complete shitbag but i still love my sister in my creepy perverted way but i would you know i'd never betray her and she would never betray me mm-hmm. um but I don't know, because, like, the other thing is, like, it's very frustrating to watch both the protagonist and the antagonist being so terrible at politics. Like, if Maximus just says, sure, I'm loyal to you, Commodus, takes 30 steps outside of his tent and tells his lieutenant, uh, get them in together, we are disembarking for Rome right the fuck now, mm-hmm. uh, kill all the Praetorians, there's, like, a dozen of them, and take Commodus, he's done, this movie's over. Yeah. If he can just like look his enemy in the eye and smile and lie for 30 seconds, he's done. But he's not one of those types of characters. He's the type, you know, yeah. that uh he's 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 a, he's he's uh he's Ned Stark. If if Ned Stark had his most improbable run of victory ever, you know. Um yeah. but he's that kind of guy. And Commodus is the other end of that where like multiple times in a movie I'm like just kill Maximus. Yeah, yeah, the I mean, people will be if if Maximus just died, he's just shit himself to death because yeah. he got poisoned in a cell. Is does the crowd even just just bring out the the Chrome dude that's the undefeated champion and have him fight for a whole week and everybody will forget Maximus? Like the whole point right. is the crowd is fickle, but it also kind of works, right? Because Commodus is is kind of fucking broken and cowardly and is stupid, he's insecure, like, politically foolish. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and insecure. I think he's trying to prove that like the crowd will love him, right? I, I I think that there's some some element of like I am better than Maximus and I'm going to prove it to everyone as well. 
interesting plan. Don't think it turned out the way that he wanted it to. But uh, <laughs> no, I don't. That, but that's, so that's one of the things that I think is frustrating because they're both like Maximus. Like the movie wouldn't have even gotten started if Maximus had just a shred of political skill mm-hmm. and insight. And then the movie would be a ninety-minute long movie if Commodus had a motive. And like it's because it, there's even senators exasperated. Like you just need to kill him, man. You just yeah. need to kill him. And, oh, I can't kill him. And but but yet there's that scene where. He, you know, it's got the Godfather scene where Commodus settles all the family business in one night and he's slipping a snake in this dude's bed and he's arresting and strangling this guy and he's, he's sticking this guy full of arrows. It's like, just, just, just kill Maximus too. Yeah. Just kill Maximus and it's done. Um, and if, and even if you don't kill Maximus, like oh, this, this reign of terror in the city, that's not enough. That's going to turn the crowd against you. It, it's weird. I felt like, um, again, it was, it was watching kind of two idiots box each other. Sure. I feel you. Uh, this movie doesn't start off well for me because, especially right now, and I remember really liking this scene back in 2000 when I saw this movie, um, but right mm-hmm. now I have zero, zero tolerance for Wars of Conquest, uh, which is what this Roman sure. war is. Uh, and so when he's talking about, you know, our, our actions will echo through eternity or whatever, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Like I agree with that, but boy, you're not you're not making very good echoes here. Um, and and just you know, strength and honor. I, I yes, sure, but also, boy, you're being real assholes right now. Uh, just moving in on people's territory and killing them. Yeah, that's that's not cool, man. So I I have like zero tolerance for what this movie puts out on screen at the very beginning right now. Uh, yeah, but the, the battle is. I think good, but boy, they stylize it in a way that just muddies everything. Like you, you can barely tell what's going on sometimes. There's a weird like grain filter on it. There's a shitload of motion blur. I think things would have been cooler if we could actually see them. But that's just me. That's why I thought it's like I, I wasn't sure if that was a technique because I this shaky cam shit infected everything. I remember. Uh, yeah. was, was Ridley Scott or was his Tony that made Man on Fire? Because that's the thing that marred that film. I had great action sequences with Denzel Washington, but oh my mm-hmm. god, the shaky cam. It's as, get, it's as bad in this film as like the later Bourne films. where, yeah. um, And, and I, I don't know, because I think you could film some of that. Because I, I thought the, the first scene, like my, one of my favorite scenes is his duel with the uh, Praetorians. Uh, he's got that great line where he headbutts the one dude, takes a sword, kills him. The other guy's, you know, blade stuck because he's a dandy Praetorian that stays in Rome and he doesn't know what it's like to be out in the, the German forest where your shit freezes and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that was all filmed pretty straight up. Like it looked, was well shot, uh, it was well lit, it wasn't shaky, it wasn't super grainy. I particularly love that scene of uh, Crow throwing his, what is that, uh, Gladius? His sword, like, woof, 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 and impaling the one through the chest. Yeah. So I think they could do it. It just seems like when they were doing it, it was to intentionally hide some of the shakier effects. And that's a damn shame. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I would have rather, the, the effects are not hidden. So I might as well get like nice, smooth shots so I can admire the action and ignore the fact that the tiger looks shitty. Am I supposed to be cheering for Maximus in this scene? Because I wasn't. I, I don't know anything about him. I don't know. Like, I barely know the scenario. All I know of this scenario is the Romans are moving in on the Germanic territories and just murdering them for, for conquest. Like, to yeah, expand their so empire, funny when it I, seems pretty reprehensible. 
Right, but when I when I first saw this movie, and again oh, totally. as a as a proud German descendant of these barbarians who were being butchered by the Romans by the the score, I had no problem with this scene. I'm like, hell yeah, okay. Rome Rome's conquering the barbarians because otherwise, like the barbarians are trying to conquer Rome. So like, what's good? It's like yeah, I'm a lot more I like to think sophisticated in the way I see the world. But yeah, I think most people don't get that. It's more of any, and if they do, like. There's scenes, there's scenes strategically in there to kind of make you not worry about it. Like the fact that uh, uh, Maximus's lieutenant general is like, people should know what they've been conquered. And, and, you know, Maximus says, would you, would I kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. we could just be as the, the, the poor sons, the bitches on the other side of this thing. Don't ever forget that. The fact that when he does raise his revolt, that it's like a really multicultural like blend. He's got a German barbarian. He's got uh, a, 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 a black man from Africa. He's got he's kind of got the, the gamut, like this multicultural force that's rising up again. So I think you're supposed to like lay all of your 20th century ideals, I guess 21st century ideals onto Rome. But that's yeah. that's the problematic aspect of the fact that the Roman civilization is so recognizably modern. If you just read their literature and you read their their history, is that you forget that like also they were butchering people by the thousands in Colosseums yeah. and uh the fact that Rome was great and wealthy was based on the fact that they had conquered as the movie points out a fourth of the world mm-hmm. and was sucking tribute out of it um yeah and, and essentially as they had the empire but that's also one of the things that makes it like audacious and endlessly fascinating it's like oh, sure. a real life galactic empire before we had one mm-hmm. you know when 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 Great Britain might as well been another fucking planet. It is like they are the empire. Yeah. Well, as long as but, it can keep giving us these right, cool it's... armored wagons, because I really liked yeah. the uh, the armored wagons that they were riding in. <laughs> Those are pretty sweet. Yeah. Um. What did you think of the relationship between Commodus and his sister? I remember I remember thinking that it was creepy and and weird back when I first saw it but like it's kind of like tiresome and a lot Mm -hmm. uh every time they came back and like is a little bit creepier and a little bit creepier to the end that he's like open your mouth and putting his fingers in her mouth and I'm like geez you know this movie's two hours and 38 minutes long and I kind of figured out Commodus was a, a freak and a weirdo um and he just kept on like going from like sexual endangerment to actual endangerment to endangering a poor woman's child mm-hmm. um and I never felt like that all paid off um yeah I mean what is what are they trying to do there just make us feel like he's unhinged He's... But we know that, and I, I contrast that to three hundred. Well, how, how do we know that? Do we know that because he kills his father? Would that have been enough to tell you that in this movie? Uh, yeah, I guess. I, I guess you're right because it's more of um, killing his father. But yeah, no, I think killing your father the Senate, is, 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 is unhinged. Uh, the fact that uh, the Senate's like, hey, there's all these problems in Rome, and he's like, I don't care. I'm just going to lean yeah. into the bread and circuses. The fact, and I'm not saying that like, um it's invalid to make him creep on his sister. I'm just saying that like, it sure. felt a lot. It felt like a lot when I was watching it now. Yeah. Maybe a little redundant too. Uh, and this movie yeah. is very long too, two hours and 35 minutes. If you don't watch the extended cut, which I did not, I don't know what's in those other 20 minutes or whatever, but 
kind of glad I didn't because it's probably just more of that. Did you know anything about Oliver Reed? He's the guy that plays Proximo. Uh, I know that the he guy who died owns... during this. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, so this guy um, is just this reputation of this legendary kind of party animal, hell raising dude. And he promised Ridley Scott that he would sober up and be on the up and up on uh, on this film. And if you read a Wikipedia article about his death, um, he got in a drinking contest with a bunch of sailors. And he drank, like, I don't know, in the high 20s, like, I don't know how many pints of Guinness and the high 20s shots of alcohol. Arm wrestle at 60 years old, arm wrestled four sailors and beat them all. <laughs> and his heart exploded. Christ. And it's like one of those things where I'm like, holy shit, that's kind of badass. That's like a meteor coming down from heaven, sure. you know, like, like tearing. But then, like, it was, uh, and I'm like, well, you know, you lived the way you died. And I read an interview with, uh, I forget the guy's name, who was the sli- the the guy who sold the two uh, queer drafts to Proximo. Oh, right. He's like, you know, a lot of people at the time were saying that, like, this is an inspiring story. Because a man, you know, you, you'll say what you will about how he lived. He died how he lived. And he's like, you guys got this all wrong. Like, uh, Oliver was desperately trying to stay sober. He wanted to do good work on this film. I think he was doing excellent. He's like riveting, mag- magnetizing in this film. Um, and he got in the wrong situation with the wrong group of people and like fell into temptation and it killed him. Um, and in fact, they weren't done filming and it's kind of yeah. noticeable in the edit. I think they had everything in the can except for maybe his, his death scene. And they kind of shoot around it with a redub and a, piece of film from earlier in the film and some cgi and some body doubles mm-hmm. but it it stands out as kind of a rough edit it's, it's a shame it's one of those things where I, I had like a roller coaster of emotions as i was reading like god damn what a fucking badass then like oh actually this is super sad yeah hmm no, i didn't know anything about that but I, I did know he died during the filming i didn't notice the the measures they went to to hide that uh, really? So yeah, when I was reading after the fact, I I came across that and was like, oh, they did a pretty good job hiding that. Did you know that before when going into this movie and we're looking? I for knew that those? he just yeah, like I know like that because that was okay. kind of like big news when you know this guy died and it's his final role and they mentioned they had to shoot around it. Um, so I I, I guess I've never seen this not knowing that, but it, it always there mm. stood out as like a bit of a jarring cut and edit uh, to me. Gotcha. But, I mean, if you didn't know, then that that that's that's the proof is the in the pudding right there. Uh, that slave trader guy that you were talking about, sold the giraffes. He's basically this movie's Watto, right? Like I thought Phantom he Menace. was the voice of Watto. I had to look it up, <laughs> dude. He's so because like him. yeah, he's like I have to expect it. He's like you can't try the ball twisting trick on me. What do you you know? It's like yeah, uh-huh. he, he's very very Watto, very Watto. Wild. Um, I did like it. I know, like that's the thing. It's like it pisses me off that I I found out about this movie's lack of historicity because I really like some of the juxtapositions of, like I said, Rome. Rome, in a lot of ways, is a very metropolitan or cosmopolitan civilization um, compared to a lot of points in, in, in Earth previous to the 21st century. And I like the juxtaposition of how like urbane and genteel the clientele of the gladiator con- contests were. Like these were the upper, you know, they had like luxury box seats. And they were ordering their concessions and they were exchanging pleasantries and talking about how exciting the games are going to be today. And they were very wealthy and, and 
well coiffed and had fine fabrics on um to the to, to, to brutality because like i i think that's interesting that as the romans are recognizably us like we a lot of that parts of society could very easily come back and would still appeal to people you know like yeah football boxing mma are just slightly more real it's gladiator contests where you the 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 losers usually don't die mm-hmm. more often than not they're they're spared sometimes sometimes or they'll be crippled and paralyzed but we don't we don't kill them we certainly don't just you know chant to kill them and and, and they're killed but uh, yeah and you're never gonna see someone fighting tigers or stuff like that right yeah yeah some of the shit the commodus like uh because I, I did I guess Commodus was a pretty bad guy, and coming from Marcus Aurelius, who was one of the more enlightened um, emperors, and it's fascinating. You can read; he's got the for free. You can just go download it. Uh, he wrote like a, a two thousand year old self help book, essentially called "The Thoughts mm-hmm. of Marcus Aurelius," and he just essentially yeah. is: here's his thoughts on leadership, here's his thoughts on leading a good moral life, here's his thoughts on balancing work and life, here's his thought, and they feel kind of modern. Like if you get a good translation, it's like you can you can pick up a few things about like living better and he raised this guy who was just yeah a monster and a scandal in his time like the roman people thought it's a bit much for our emperor to be fighting in the pits uh there are wars to be fought if he wants to fight put him on the front lines he's doing all this and he wasn't respected for it he was kind of a mockery he did things like he would have his uh, troops collect the people that didn't have feet in the empire like, because they were crippled or had some disease or something, and he would have them all lashed together into the shape of a giant man, and then he would club them to death as a Jesus. as a spectacle. He killed a, a hundred lions in the arena in a single day as a spectacle. Um, just like the, it it it. They, if anything, the movie kind of undersold his his public spectacles. Hmm. Um, and he was kind of that crazy. But the idea that he was the only thing standing in the way for Rome to be going back into republic, like the the fact that his death led to some golden era, the fact that he killed his father to take the fact, it, I, I, it seemed that they they co-ruled for like four years, while Marcus Aurelius was getting old, you know, and uh, he, yeah, and Commodus ruled for twelve, so it wasn't like the wow. short brutal reign that you see in this movie, right? Um, but certainly a lot of historical precedent for him being that kind of crazy nuts far as the gladiatorial stuff gotcha wow yeah the movie goes nowhere near that uh i i couldn't help but see like how out of touch commodus was as well like the the senators come to him and say hey we need some new shitters over in this district or whatever and he's like ah just give him bread circuses instead like literally bread and circuses uh without the Mm -hmm. bread actually (laughs) it's just the circus Oh, they're um, they're throwing loaves of bread to like the first twenty rows. Obviously. Okay, sure. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what the people in the top decks were doing, but starving. Um, and then there's this scene where he's talking to his sister um about something their father said about life being a frightful dream, and I'm watching this extraordinarily privileged person talk about these philosophical matters. I'm like, God damn, that is that is the kind of thought that only someone with great privilege can contemplate, right? Like, everybody else is down in the fucking mud fighting for their next loaf of bread, and this guy's sitting in his palace contemplating the, his, his own, the meaning of his own life, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
Ah, uh, the just the disconnect there. It's so obvious. Um, that's something that they uh, Dan Carlin just did like a seven hour uh hardcore history about um the history of like human the, the slavery throughout human history, and he talked to like about and that that was like one of the things that uh the the upper class like like they were like well we have to you know we we can't do work because if we do work we can't like think and reflect about things and like you know how how are you supposed to and it's like you gotta have free time to do important things and we're too important to to do the actual work it's it's interesting i mean there's an argument like how how else like how else would art get made and yeah you know no i there there is you can always make an argument for some stuff that's why these institutions last for thousands of years but it's kind of like that same you know well you know the little people don't need to think or reason or make art so sure uh, and also, there's none of that nuance of like an understanding of why they're not, uh, you know, out there struggling for their food. And, and I, I feel like there's at least a self awareness in those comments. In this movie, there is none of that in Pomodus's comments. It's more just him worried about his own legacy and all that. That junk. it's so short centered because, like, I I'll, I often wonder. Yeah. What does he think is going to happen after the 150 days of games when he's depleted right. the Roman coffers and the Greek district to still have plague running through it and they don't have sanitation or safe drinking water? Right. Does he just plan for those people to be dead after 150 days and the rest of Rome not to really care? I don't know. I That's the other spec- thing that I thought um, was crazy when I was reading about the real Commodus is when he would appear in the gladiatorial games, he would build the city of Rome for a million dollars for his appearance fee. Okay. So not only was he having these things going on, but he was actually putting that money into his own pocket at the end of the day. This crazy, crazy shit. People do that today. That's, that's not that crazy. I mean, it is crazy. It's fucking Oh it's yeah, 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 insane. Yeah. It's it's messed up. We shouldn't allow it to happen. But that happens sure. every single day in our modern society. Oh yeah, Cor- corruption for sure. Yeah. Um. Do you know that the uh, the I think his name was Titus of Gaul, the 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 silver mask gladiator, the old mm-hmm. retired gladiator, Ti- the only undefeated guy. Tigris. Tigris was it. Tigris. Yeah. I've often mentioned him as a touchstone because he's like this legendary Hollywood stuntman who is no shit been in almost every single Arnold Schwarzenegger movie you can think of. Conan the Barbarian, Commando, Predator, Red Heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you'll see him, like, once you recognize his face, you will see him in so many fucking things. And this is the thing, like, every, every time I mention him, and you're like, I don't ever heard of this. Yeah, he's the silver-faced guy in Gladiator. Okay. So now, yes. when I, yeah, going forward, it's like, yeah, this is, this is the guy I'm talking about. Savinol Thorson. Wow. Um, I thought he was, this is like... Uh, I think one of his last like beefy big guy roles. Um, oh shit, no, he's still he was still active through 2011, but he's just a voice. Okay, he started doing voice work. His last stuntman role was Dodgeball, a true underdog All story. Right. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Uh, I but love yeah. his mask. His his it, it's oh, it's so, iconic. Like it's it's almost serene. It's bizarre to see that mask swinging away at you with double swords or a sword and an axe i it, so, something so something beautiful unsettling and uh-huh yeah like the, the just perfect face of an angel and it's it's a top conan the barbarian and he's coming at you with axes and swords right yeah it's messed up but what does the tear down the cheek mean do you 
Do you have any idea? It's one for every guy he's called killed in the Coliseum, <laughs> man. Uh, I I know. I think that's like isn't okay. it a standard like a tough guy? That's the reason convicts have tears on. You know, it's like a, like a bragging of like most people, or, or maybe like deep down this. I I don't know. It's some kind of emo killer shit. Sure. Um, um, and then he refuses to kill Tigris, which I think, you know, that that kind of sets off Commodus because they chant uh, Maximus the Merciful. And uh, is he is he trying to lead by example here? Is he showing them what a leader should be, or is there any thought in his head other than just I don't want to kill this guy because I don't really feel like killing people if I don't need to? Um, or, or is he trying to do something bigger here? I know he's trying to win the crowd with his fighting, but also there could be a message in this to the crowd, right? That like mercy is the way forward. A real leader shows mercy. Uh, and look at your your leader right now. He is not merciful in any way. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I had that in my notes is how much of this Maximus thing is him naturally being the guy he's supposed to be and how much of it is Proximo in his ear being like, you've got to play up to the crowd. Yeah, you know, um, because there's certainly evidence that he finds this this combat for the entertainment of people to be sickening mm-hmm. and grotesque. Um, but also, like you know, he he gives that first speech. You got to win over the crowd. Then they had this big stage battle. Um, that's that's you know essentially Rome versus Carthage that he wins. I don't think he was doing that because it made a good bat. I think that's just sound tactics. He was using actual military tactics mm-hmm. and military experience to beat people who are essentially um, barroom brawlers, right? Totally. Um, I don't think he did that to 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 play up to the crowd. And I don't. I, it's like that's the thing. It's like I don't know that he spared this guy to defy Commodus because yeah. he hates him because it's his personal ethics to not kill people who are defenseless. Um, if he's like, ah, you know what? If I defy, like, if, if does this pit play into my um, character with the crowds? I really don't know because it's not like the battle sequences are set up to make you think, oh, look, Commodus is really working the crowd now, right? No, no, he's just fighting but, and surviving, and then the crowd loves him for it. Yeah, like even when he get gets unmasked. Um, but that's the other thing is like I don't know that I buy that Maximus doesn't just stab Commodus, just shove that kid down to the ground and stab stab Commodus. He's got him right there. He does, yeah. He doesn't want the kid to see it, and they don't. They haven't established like the relationship that he has with Commodus' sister. Uh, is it, dude? What? Like, is she like? Did, did they right. kiss once when they were thirteen? Apparently, and nothing to him, and she just could get because that relationship doesn't make sense. I I wish they would done more than just kind of hint what yeah it's not fleshed it out was. i do wish it was more fleshed out um to where i i understood the connection between them more yeah but yeah at that or point he they hasn't hinted they haven't showed us that any had of that. been that had been uh his illegitimate child that <laughs> sure. had made him stick but yeah. but you know um i don't know i thought that was i thought it was it, it, it's it's weird like that's, that's some of the things that were the script i think if you if you give it scrutiny they don't quite hold together Mm-hmm. Um and and that's one of them. Like, they need him to have a relationship, but he already has a family and a wife that he loves, and he's not like tinted at all by this woman. But I yeah. guess he was raised around a royal house, and maybe she had the hots for. I I don't know. I don't know. That's what something I, that I quite, couldn't quite figure out myself. Yeah. Or or they were friends in in their younger years, and she knows what kind of man he is. That he's a good man. Um. Who 
you know, only fights because he's forced to, essentially, and then he knows that, that she's, she would have been a great leader. Like her, her father says, like, uh, oh, that you were, that only you were born a man, or whatever. I'm like, yeah, that sucks. Um, but you can see that she's a much better person than Commodus, obviously. What's your favorite set piece in this film? Um, I, I think it's the tigers. I think that's cool. Um, I know it may not hold up visually, but I, I was very excited when the tigers came out. Do you think the Russell Crowe can fight off a tiger? Because like no. I thought they went too far uh, on one of those attacks. Like when when yeah. when the tigers got him from behind. That's the one. His both paws are on his shoulders and his mouth is on his neck. I'm like, I don't care where you're from, who you are, how much armor you're wearing. You're done, man. Yeah. And you got this man mountain in front of you who's just probably if he's got any brain but this instead the guy mugs and I still don't know how the hell you get a six hundred pound tiger off your back right. <laughs> when you're like a two hundred and forty pound dude, maybe. Uh that 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 kind of because I I kind of agree between the silver headed dude, Spin uh-huh. Spin Soul and and uh, uh, Maximus and the tigers and the guys like trying to keep the tiger you know like they get loose at any moment I think that's I don't know that that one on one it's less shaky cam I think it's my favorite one too and they're protecting you know tigers with the tigers they're they're pulling them back when tigers would be endangered by them and they're letting them loose when Maximus would be endangered by them like. Clearly, like they're they're putting their thumb on the scales of this battle. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of dynamics at play, and I think it looks mostly cool. But you're right there. There's no way you get that tiger off your back. I, I think if you have a sword and a shield and armor, and a tiger is on top of you, maybe you could put a sword in its guts three times and maybe and survive yeah. that. But With yeah, all of its, it's murder it's, knives raking your belly. Yeah. But if it's on your back, uh. I think you're. Done. I always think that, like when I'm watching my house cat, they got we got these toys called kicking toys. They're these long kind of things, and the cats like grab it with their front legs, and they just rake it with their back legs. And you know, she's got these inch, you know, half inch long claws. And just, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of like what that would look like if she was a full size tiger and I was a person, and that was my belly that she was doing, and those claws were three inches long. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's never good. I I don't think I don't I, I that's about the worst worst situation you can be in. I um, I do also love that final fight between Maximus and uh, Commodus. There I, I love the uh, wardrobe that they put Commodus in. I think this white cloak with the white armor is very cool looking. Um, I I really like Russell Crowe's performance in those scenes where he's sort of phasing in and out of his reality and and his dream of his family as he's dying uh actively dying on the battlefield while still fighting joaquin phoenix um and yeah i I think it's just very cool the way that ends also is it's you know so personal right um it's not one of those things where he (laughs) throws a sword into the stands and maybe kills the emperor or something but like yeah, I, and it's one I last outrage for Commodus, right? Because I remember being still young and naive that I was still kind of shocked by because I, I was watching this when it first came out, and I'm like, I mean, Russell Crowe is just going to tear this guy's ass in half. He's just going to grab it like a like a deck of cards and rip it in two. Like what? What the hell? 
And, you know, Commodus is talking all this shit, and then he sticks, like, you know, up. Yeah. He probably punctures his lung or whatever. I gets his liver or something. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Because I, you know, that's, I think this is only the second movie I'd ever seen where the hero just dies in the end. And, mm. you know, he wins yeah. a, a, maybe a political and morale victory. Braveheart was the first time. And I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, fuck me, man. Mm. Fucking movie. I don't like it when the good guys lose. <laughs> um, but I was shocked. I remember, like, you know, damn, that means he's probably going to die. Mm-hmm. And he might not even win. It might be, like, one of those grim things where, I don't know. Um, but I liked it because it's, it's, it's just, Commodus is just such a shit, man. He's got the perfect name. Does he? What does it mean? Commodus Commode, you know, like he's full of shit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's where I was going. Commodus. I, is that yeah. the joke? Is that the Commodus. joke that like is that is that why we're called Commodes because he was such a shitty leader? Probably. The, yeah. It's like at the end of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where mm-hmm. no Robin Hood, Men in Tights, where the King Richard says that the from here on out all toilets will be named Johns because yeah. he's such a terrible. Yeah. Must be. That's uh, my new canon for history. Commodus, probably, I don't know, probably top 10 movie villain. It'd be interesting to go through and mm. try to justify that, because there's a lot of great ones. Top 20? Yeah. Certainly. Yeah, maybe. Did you read anything about this script? About the About script? how, no. like, you know, there's three credited script writers, and I guess every one of them got there after the last one was hired. It's like, what is this shit? Uh, this is terrible. We need the the we need to take the character this way. People kept on modifying it, and I guess the days of the shoots that like uh, Russell Crowe was rewriting the scripts himself. This is one of the oh, origins no. of his difficult reputation. And he th- th- there's a candid interview. He's like, to the extent that I'm difficult, I might have started here because I came on this set, and this is a two and a half hour movie, and there was only 32 pages that were completed and finished that we were ready to film. And he's like, the whole character of Maximus wasn't there. Like, who he was, mm-hmm. what his motivations were, and, like, that stuff was all important to me. And I was, like, really pushing to get this stuff. And I um, I guess some of the iconic, uh, you know, like, the strength and honor, that's something that uh, he ad-libbed on the set. Um, uh, and he there's other thing is, like, he, I guess he refused to give the speech where... Uh, I uh, the, the, the which I think is iconic that like you know I'm Maximus so and so so and so I'm father to a murdered son I'm husband to a murdered wife mm-hmm. and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next I guess Russell Crowe for several days refused to give that speech as written because he's like this is ridiculous did they end up rewriting and it or no I think it's they wow. just gave it it's like but he was giving us like his, how haphazard and like he had no faith in the screenwriters and all that kind of stuff but hmm. it's um. I, I felt like there would be a, a lot more kind of oral histories about it because it seemed like a bunch of juicy kind of gossip and, you know, you know, people trying to rewrite each other's scripts, and I couldn't find a lot. Yeah. But, uh, you know, someone's in chat is saying, uh, how does the script of 32 pages get greenlit? I was thinking that exact <laughs> same thing as I was reading these stories. Is Ridley like, why did w- Scott. It's Ridley Scott. It's yeah. his, it's But the other thing is, um, I don't know. How does Russell Crowe's agent sell him on that script? Right, right. If he doesn't like it, he reads it. He doesn't like it. He's like, "Hey, buddy, you need money. You got tax bills coming up. I don't know." Is it this is like a just a giant? Because this is a hundred million dollar budget. This movie mm-hmm. uh, was fairly expensive, even for its day. Um, maybe it's just the the, the payday. He's looking to cash in, right? 
because it's that's the other thing is like this kind of kicked off a new wave of historical fiction um this is like you can trace this i think to like the pirates of the caribbean getting greenlit um Didn't god i can't Brad remember Pitt all try and do a movie called like eagle or something about uh, like, are, are you Rome? talking about alexander the great no no i know he's done okay. a few probably but there's like a whole bunch of like in the next five to ten years, there's a whole bunch of like these kind of period pieces that got launched on the back of because this was a fairly successful movie. It made a ton of money and it got a lot of uh, critical buzz as well. Um, so it's Detroit. like one of those things that wasn't even a, this was kind of a dead genre, a, hist- a historical fiction pick. Uh, and they got Russell Crowe to do it. So I don't know. It seems, seems like he showed up and was the, the kind of piece of work to, 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 to work with. Sorry, I was thinking of Channing Tatum in The Eagle 2011. Oh. Uh, Brad Pitt, Channing Tatum. Brad Pitt did Troy not too long after uh, Russell Crowe did Gladiator. So, yeah, there was a whole slew of them that came out. Do you wonder how Russell Crowe, how Maximus got his wound on his shoulder? I've never wondered that before, but the one part of his armor... Like that, that covered him well is his shoulder. Like mm-hmm. there's whole intersection, interlocking steel plates, leather, and he got 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 way high up under that armor. Um, they did like when the, during that pass, which I think was really cool, they showed this extreme wide shot of the 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 horse and the horse going past, and the guy falling off, and then Maximus is still there. But I wondered like how the hell did he get that Brit that that wound? Yeah, and then the they maggot scene, a- which. Well, they needed a good shot to show his tattoo, right? Mm. Well, that's on the other side of the his arm, right? It's on the the SPQR is, is on the opposite. I thought. Oh wow. Okay. Um, that was gnarly too. I remember watching this, and the maggot scene was kind of like, Whoa, and then yeah. him carving the tattoo off his flesh. So mm-hmm. I, I get the maggot thing, but when they when he comes back to and D, and uh the the John uh or John Jamin is. Doing like saying like oh see how it's all clear and you look at it it's packed full like greenish yellow shit yeah is that pus or is that something that like he's chewed up and stuck in there as a poultice or what the fuck is going on with that that's always the grossed me out yeah it, it it seemed like he reaches to his mouth for a moment and then reaches to his wound and kind of off screen and then they show the close up shot I'm like yeah I don't know what that is I thought he's like just chewing sa- sunflower seeds. Yeah, but I I've guess seen. you're right. He's like chewing something up and packing it in. It it looked really gross. Yeah, I wouldn't want uh, any of that to happen to me. Between the maggots and the the, the throwing the cornbread batter in there, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. That's medicine. That's two thousand year old medicine. <laughs> okay, well I think that just about wraps it up for our discussion of Gladiator. Next week we uh, our executive producers have selected Lincoln. The, uh, another Daniel Day-Lewis film for us to consider. And then I think that's going to draw uh, a, a hiatus to the prestige movies of the week for a while because, hallelujah, prestige television is back, or at least prestige television that we're interested in covering. We're going to be starting with uh, David Simon's uh, We Own This City. That's another David Simon, George Pelicanos, Baltimore crime epic starring uh, fan-favorite... God damn it. Uh, Bernthal. John Bernthal? Uh, John Bernthal is going to be the lead. He's going to be the McNulty of this season. 
pretty excited about that. And then Jim and Alexis will be doing a little thing called Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. When I have dueling prestige in the Bald Move catalog, it's years, probably been at least two years since we've had two prestige shows on at once. I'm pretty excited. Yeah. We might actually get a pulp movie or two to vote on. Maybe. We'll I mean, those first couple of weeks still have Star Trek Picard on, so no need to do movies then. But yeah, there will be a gap of a couple couple weeks for sure. God, I have like my heart has wept when we go through and we're looking uh, for movie candidates to do, and it's just like so many awesome pulp, so many awesome mm-hmm. pulp films we've had to skip over. But we'll have a couple weeks where we might get to uh, to, to vote on those on our Patreon. So. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed our coverage of Gladiator. Uh, please uh, uh, listen next week for Lincoln, and uh, we'll see you on that one. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you, everybody.